if you're the addict in the room, you've heard a hundred times what Monty has said. You've learned to turn down the volume when Monty talks. When Monty talks, it's painful. <laughs> I mean, it is. If you've heard what he's about to say for the 13th, hundredth time, turn that volume right down. Three, two, one, zero. Hey, you! Yeah, you! Come here for a minute! I want to talk to you! Mama says you're brain dead, bang your head against the wall. Can't find peace of mind, brain needs an overhaul. The views expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show are those of the co-host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of our affiliates. The topics and opinions on today's show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice. Take 12 Radio is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. And now, here's your host, The Man, The Myth, The Legend, The Monty Man. Ain't going to lie to you. I wouldn't lie to you. Promise. Saved by grace is the name of the game. Time to lay your burden down. It is. Boom. Head down. Well, I am your host, the Monty Man, and uh, here with co-host Denver Wolf and Marvar. Hi, Hi, guys. Hi. Morning. And you have tuned into the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show, broadcasting here at KHLT Recovery Broadcasting on the outskirts of the beautiful downtown Albany, Oregon. And it is wet and rainy <laughs> and green, yeah. isn't it, moldy. Denver? It's moldy, too. It's a little moldy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the topic uh, this week is making and losing friends while in recovery. And uh, Marv said, well, I could talk a lot about losing friends. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about that today. How you doing there, Denver? What's uh, happening? Well, I don't know. I guess I'm doing okay. Check it's, in. It's raining in Oregon again. I put on some flannel pants. and Yeah. Yeah, I get preparing for the winter because here it comes. Here it comes. Yeah, I was at a sale and had to tarp up my booth about four different times because of the showers, and uh, I just packed it up finally. And Poor on, Denver. Came on home. Yeah. Came on home. I'm going to turn your mic up a little. There we go. That's better. All That's right. better. How's Marv? Pretty good. Yeah, I was feeling a little under the weather yesterday. Yep, I yeah, I was doing a little, doing a little better today, but not, yep, not getting around, kicking rocks down, ki- the road. kicking rocks down the road. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. all right. Well, good deal. Listen, you can tune into our show uh, in a number of different ways. Um, search for Take Twelve Recovery Radio. You can do that on iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, Podomatic, also Apple Podcast, and we are also on YouTube. So if you want to know how to get to all those, simply go to Take12Radio.com and click on any of those icons. It'll take you right there. 
So uh, let's see here. I think it's time for the Stop weekly wine. Right there, there it is. It's time for Monty Man's weekly wine. The Golden Farces. That's Arches? Yeah. Well. Close. Yeah. McDonald's. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Is in the news again. I was going to say, let, don't get me started on them today. Oh. I don't know why. I don't know why I keep going back to these places. It's, it's my own fault. It really is. So went there for breakfast, going through the drive-thru. That's the first mistake. <laughs> going through that, the drive-thru. That, that'd be mine. Right? With those those split drive-thru things, no wonder they get your order wrong. Um, but anyway, ordered. this seems like a very easy, easy thing to do. Two sausage and egg McMuffins. One with double sausage. That's it. That's the only added, altered thing. She repeats to me, that's two sausage and egg McMuffins, one with double sausage. Yep. Thank you. I'll have your total for you at the window. So I pull up a little bit because the car in front of me stalls. <laughs> <laughs> now, I can't choose to leave anyway because there's no. like a semi truck behind me or yeah. some kind of big rig or something, right? So I'm sitting there and sitting there and sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, well. All right, well, finally the car finally gets started. They pull up, and they get their order, and then they start to pull back. Evidently, the order was wrong. So he hands the bag back to her. Then he has to pull up to the waiting area, right? So I'm watching all this stuff happen. I'm still at the pay window, the first window. And she says to me, so you had... The two sausage McMuffins with no egg. I said, no. I had two sausage McMuffins, egg and sausage McMuffins, one with extra sausage. She goes, and that's with orange juice? No. No, no. Just the two sausage and egg McMuffins, one with extra sausage. She goes, okay. All right, great. And then she tells me the amount, and I give it to her, and that's correct. And I pull up to the next window, and... She hands me an orange juice, right, and a big breakfast. That's pancake, right. sausage, right? And I go, no, ma'am, I had the two sausage and egg McMuffins, one with extra sausage. She goes, you didn't have this one? What did I just say? I, I, I'm, like, I'm not understanding this. And, and so I'm smiling. I said, no, I had two sausage and egg McMuffins, one with extra sausage. Oh, she goes, well, that's going to be a while. Can you pull up to the waiting area? And the waiting area is already full. I said, there's already two cars up there. And she goes, well, just pull on over up in there. Well, I can't because when one of them backs up, they're going to hit my car. They're going to want out. Right. So she leaves the window. So I just sit there. Finally, one pulls out. They get their order. So I pull in. She comes and brings me my order. I get it home. And what do I have? I have egg. Two, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have two sausage and egg McMuffin muffins. One is just the bread and one sausage. The other one is no sausage with two eggs. <laughs> uh, Why? 
Why? <sighs> well, there my, you go. Mine is I was in the drive up there, and they really need to come up with a meal called the extremely long unhappy wait meal. <laughs> because how long were you there? Twenty minutes, maybe fifteen. Not exaggerating. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh no, I know. Cow, man. I don't know if they were training somebody Sunday morning when I needed to get in there and get right. out, but I wasn't getting out. That's for sure. They got the order right, but uh, the long, long wait was rather taxing. The long me. and winding. It was wait. Uh, it was long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very taxing on my uh, spiritual mood. Yeah, but you know we're we're in this instant gratification mindset. So oh yeah. So if it takes more than you know three minutes, we're really hot. Yeah, and the food is not. <laughs> Well, for a drive up, that's a long, 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 long time. Well, you think as people who have matured so greatly in our recovery, we would be able to have a better attitude. Maybe not so. Maybe not so. Maybe not so. <laughs> what do you think, Marv? Uh, <clears throat> I run into a deal the other day. They, All right. I, I don't understand this, but... You know, when I walk into, and this was a different restaurant. Right. Um, oh, do you tell. Of, you can throw their name under the yeah, bus. We do, do it all the time here. Instead of just realizing that I might possibly uh, be a senior. Right. You have May, to, maybe. You, yeah. have, you have to ask to get the <laughs> senior discount. So this gal's <laughs> ringing me up, and she charges me um, six-something or another. Yeah. And uh, and I knew that was wrong sure. because of the discount. Right. So I said, and she just ignored me. She just kept counting out the money and handed it over to me. I oh, said, my goodness. I said, you didn't hear me, did you? She gets this blank uh, look on her face. <laughs> Why should you have to ask? I mean, if they're going to give you a senior discount, just give you a senior, yeah. you know, why yeah. Why take, have to ask for take, it? Maybe take a look, <clears throat> evaluate quickly. Yeah, he's probably a senior. <laughs> yeah, but you have to ask for straws now, too. So I was in the Carl's Jr. drive-up, so I figured maybe I'll take my chances with another establishment. Well, that wasn't much better, actually, to tell you the truth, but... um there's a big sign. Remember, we said oh, yeah. we were at the restaurant uh, a couple about a month ago, and I said in one of the restaurants, sit-down restaurants, they informed us that we would have to request a straw, and if because if they offered a straw, they could actually be cited for that by the state of Oregon. Yeah, and and so we said, well, it's coming to the fast food chains too, and it has. So Carl's Jr. on the window, it says, if yeah. you like a straw, you must request it. I've seen that a while back. I'm yeah. thinking about asking. I need about 18 of them so I don't have to ask again. Oh, just take your own. Just Yeah, bring my own. No, right. thanks. I brought my own. <laughs> I'm used to it. Bring your own straw. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So, uh, well, there's enough of our complaining uh, for this week. Uh, so we got to have a, uh, a win. Okie dokie, pokey. Now it's time for a little win. Something positive from the Monty Man for once. That's right. So we are getting our foundation fixed here at Take 12 Recovery Radio. Woo. Sinking sand. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose I could whine about the interest rate, but I'm not going to. Maybe I will. No, maybe I won't. Save it. <laughs> yeah, I'll save it for after when it's done 
Uh, that has nothing to do with yeah. the, com- the company <laughs> that's actually doing it. It has to do with the the credit union that is loaning us the money. But the win is it would have cost us $28,000. Now it's costing us $7,000. So that is a good deal. Got any names? Or are you going to Yeah, wait? no, it's Ramjack. Ramjack is the people coming out and doing the work. Terra Firma wanted $28,000. Ramjack to do... Uh, pretty much the same thing. Well, they, Terra Firma wanted to sell us a bunch of stuff we didn't need. <laughs> they wanted to build a wall. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Uh, Ramjack came out and said, no, this is what you need. You don't need this. And, and in fact, you could get an independent contractor to come out and do this work. You don't have to hire us. And I thought, you know what? That speaks of integrity right there. I said, I want you guys to do it. So they're coming out on Wednesday. Um, the day after my birthday, and by the way, I'm turning 64 tomorrow. Are you? I'm not all that excited about it. Man, it's just like it was uh, yesterday you were retiring. I know. Early that retirement. Happened. That happened. Yeah. Fast. So the day after my birthday, they're going to be here. Um, they're going to lift the house up about an inch. And then they push this foundation back into place. And they put this kind of like rebar, but it's flat on one side. And then that gets attached to the back of the foundation, and they put this wire mesh corners on it to hold it in place. And then they fill it all back in and, you know, make it look all pretty and all that kind of stuff. Put the house back down, and we're done. And our house will stay intact. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of the wall falling down. So that's, that's a good win. Keep your house. Nice day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So there you go. All right. Um, all right. We'll take a short break and when we come back. We're going to hit this topic making and losing friends while in recovery. So don't go away. Check this out. We understand that having a loved one caught in the grips of an addiction is a powerless position to be in. And we understand this on a very personal level. We have been there ourselves. Our own families have experienced exactly what you are feeling now. The good news is we are here to direct you in finding a way out. We are Freedom Interventions, providing the direction necessary to get the help for your addicted loved one. Your family has specific needs. We can determine the best approach for your specific circumstances. If an intervention is needed, we will provide the direction required to safely and effectively accomplish the goal of recovery for all. To begin the recovery process for your loved one, call toll-free at 888-762-7557. That's 888-762-7557. And visit our website at freedominterventions.com. Freedom Interventions, providing drug and alcohol interventions and a continuum of care services to clients and their families. Introducing Oregon Recovers, an inclusive statewide coalition comprised of people in recovery, their friends and family uniting to transform Oregon healthcare to ensure world-class prevention, treatment, and recovery support services for Oregonians suffering from the disease of addiction. To join the effort in transforming Oregon into the recovery state, visit us at www.oregonrecovers.org. Is Nala trying to tell you something? I think she wants to go out. You want me to let her out? Um, did you happen to lock the gate when you came in? 
I did. Did you? You yes. put the little slider over? Oh, no, I didn't put the oh, slider could over. Could you do me a big favor? Yeah. Could you go put the little slider over? So yeah. the gate's locked, and then go ahead and let her out. All right. We Sorry, listeners. That. We're gonna we're gonna chat here for a minute with Marvel. The dog is going crazy. The dog is going crazy. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. It takes a while. Uh, hey, Marv. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness sakes. Um. So while he's doing that, um, how long have you been? Doing the twelve-step meeting thing, how many years? Um, all total, uh, pretty close to forty. You pull back from your mic now, see, because you're oh. leaning back. So you can all total, pretty close to forty. Pretty close to forty. Yeah, but I don't have that amount of sobriety time. But you mm-hmm. you've been attending, you know, the recovery community in attendance with the recovery community for for that long. Yes, and you can leave that open, Denver. Um, and so in that time, you've seen a lot of, you've seen people pass away, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, just from natural causes as well from complications due to their own addictive behaviors, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, you've made some friends, you've lost some friends. Uh, Denver. I mean, uh, yeah, Denver. Yeah. That is your name, right? Yeah. I'm still Denver. <laughs> um, You've made some friends and seen some friends pass away, and I have, and and have lost some friends. I have. Um, have you lost any friends due to complications surrounding around addictive use disorder? Or? No, not. Yeah, I have. Have you? It's been a while, but yes, I have. Yeah, and I'm in the midst of uh, you know some right now that are going through some heavy duty complications. I was involved with Teen Challenge, and I've seen. Uh, folks leave that program and go out and not return. So, yeah, leave prematurely. Some have actually graduated and not made it, right? As well, yeah. Uh, well, I thought I'd read just for the heck of it here while I'm making everybody dizzy on the uh, camera. Um, there's if you search the internet, you'll find all sorts of descriptions of all different kinds of friends and acquaintances and people that you run into. Uh, but I picked five and I'll just run through these really, really quick. Um, and this isn't just limited to people in recovery. This is just people in general. Um, these are the five, uh, five, yeah, five types of friends. Um, number one, the loyal best friend. Uh, sometimes the loyal best friend is the only thing you need to stay sane. Everyone needs a non-judgmental friend who will support them no matter what. This is the kind of friend who lets you be a hot mess and knows all of your deepest and darkest secrets, but still loves you all the same. Ever had a friend like that? Marv? I don't think so. Ever had a friend like that? <laughs> oh, I probably have, yeah. Maybe not even kn- known it. <laughs> right. Sure. Denver? Yeah, I probably have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's one. The Brutally Honest Confidant. We don't keep those. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a brutally honest confidence, <laughs> listeners? Um, there are certain situations in life where we need to hear the harsh truth. That's what the brutally honest confidant is for. If you're in a rocky relationship and everyone's telling you that it's perfectly normal that you're back with the special someone for the eighth time <laughs> in the last sec- uh, two years, 
the brutally honest confidant is there to yank your rose-colored glasses off your face and tell you enough. Stop with all the breakup and get back together dramas. You deserve better. Friends are supposed to be honest with each other. If you find someone who is brutally honest with you in a constructive way, then hold on to that person. People like that are hard to come by these days. I think the reason that the author of this uses a relationship problem is because those are the ones that we usually tell most people, keep your nose out of my business. But the the brutally honest confidant might not do that. You might just say, you know, you're going down a path that is going to be destructive. And we need to have people like that in our life. Um, well, we need to know ahead. where they're coming from, too. I have, yeah. I have a guy like that, but I've known him so long, I know where he's coming from. It's from a uh, most of the time, a spiritual aspect. Sure. And even though I don't want to hear what he's got to say, <laughs> I I can hear it because I know quite a bit about where he's coming from, and it's this, it's not a greater than thou attitude or anything like that. The the guy's coming from a place where he actually sincerely cares. Yeah. And uh, he can lay it on me once in a while. <laughs> yeah, he, and he has your best interest at heart, right? It, it, yeah, that's the way I look at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So even though it's uncomfortable, it's something you can listen to and, and chew on it and consider. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Denver? I think the biggest thing is being able to, uh, like Marv says, take a hold of, of the reality of that. Don't let that get personal where, you know, I think, oh, he's just picking on me. So, sure. yeah, I've, I've had a few tell me, and it's very uncomfortable, but uh, it did save, obviously, me some heartache, and it saved a couple friendships Yeah, because they were honest. And when I settled myself down to the fact that they're just telling me the truth, sure, then, you know, I could accept it. Yeah, 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 you bet. Okay, uh, number three, a wise mentor. It has been said, never look down on someone unless you're helping them up. If you have some someone smart, inspiring, and admirable in your life who practices this philosophy, you're extremely lucky. We all need a friend who inspires us to be better people without making us feel inadequate. Plus, being around such a person will challenge us to better ourselves every day. The wise mentor in your life doesn't have to be someone who shares the same occupation or hobbies with you. It's simply someone who's a few steps ahead of you in life and has enough wisdom and patience to guide you in the right direction. It can be anyone, a colleague, a friend who's beyond their years or an older neighbor. Maybe it's your sponsor. You know, hopefully if you're in 12 step recovery, your sponsor is a few steps ahead of you uh, in uh, their recovery, perhaps even in their step work. Hopefully they're not behind you because you're kind of following their lead. Um, Number four, this is rough. A polar opposite. Uh, we humans are hardwired to get together in groups and attack outsiders. The human pack mentality, if you will. If you only develop friendships with others who follow the same belief and customs and values as you do, chances are you're somewhat detached from the rest of the world. And you're more likely to perpetuate stereotypes on anyone who holds a different worldview from you. Um, I guess you could call these cliques, right? Or what they're, they're, 
they're calling now, people nowadays are calling them the tribe mentality, where people stick to their own tribe. They really don't let anybody else in that any, has any kind of other worldview than they do. You know, uh, conservatives hang with conservatives, liberals hang with liberals, Christians hang with Christians, Muslims hang with Muslims. I mean, but in the recovery community, right, we are a mixed bag, right, Marv? Totally. Totally a mixed bag. Yes. And if we can't go on campouts, go on picnics, go on, uh, go to conventions, at the very least meet in the same meeting room and have coffee together and discuss the process of the 12 steps in recovery without our anxiety levels getting all out of whack, we're kind of in trouble. So I think sometimes having a friend that is a polar opposite opposite can help us with that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the last one here is a work pal, uh, a friend at work. Do you, do you know that with a full-time job, you spend at least 50% of your waking hours at work? Not only that, but you spend some more time uh, commuting to work, thinking about work, working overtime, and uh, furthering your career on your personal time. Statistics show that the more isolated you are at work, the more depressed you'll get. That's why it makes sense to get a work pal to chat with at the water cooler and to help you get through the week. You spend 50% of your waking hours at work, and so does your pal. You'll find it much easier to shoot the breeze and complain about work with someone. I like that part. Complain about work with someone who can relate to you than eating lunch alone every day. Your work pal doesn't have to be your best friend outside of work. They just need to be someone you click with on the same level. That works fine if you're working in an environment with other people. Denver, you got to work alone, right? Yeah, but I work with a great crew. Uh, right. I'm an hour early. We sit and visit and solve a lot of the world's problems in the hour. Yeah. So, and then we are, I'm able to split up, and I have pretty much the, the whole run of the place for the evening, unless right. I, unless I need help. Do you so, prefer work by yourself? Yes, I do. Yeah. I, uh, in my trade, I did work by myself, you know, uh, automotive painting. I didn't have anybody. I had worked behind people that their work needed to come in proper to yeah. me. But yeah, I've always worked by myself. Uh, I don't like having to manage others while I work either. Sure. You know, it's not sure productive for me. So yeah, I'm a work alone kind of guy. Yeah. Now, now Marv, you're, you're, you're retired. So yes. you, yeah. And you, but you actually worked a lot alone didn't did you not and yeah, taking care of horses and stuff yeah that's why i got into that part of the reason because you like that uh yeah yeah I, i've never been a joiner or a team right. player right type person yeah i i suspect kind of like uh denver mm-hmm. in a way sure <laughs> sure you know it just um but i had to change my ideas about that also oh did you <clears throat> yes i did because Somewhere along the line, I discovered that God never meant us to be alone. To be alone. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's been a struggle through the years. Sure. Of, of, uh, I still have social problems. Yeah. Not not anything where I'm going to blow up a room or anything like that. I'm glad I mean, you told us all that. Yeah. <laughs> Dis- yeah. Disclaimer, but folks. Just, just kind of, you know, on the outside looking in. Yeah. And But I'm, you know, I think I'm better than what I used to be. 
<clears throat> so speaking to the topic of making and losing friends while in recovery, we talked about friends, some different kinds of friends. You know, we have there's best friends, close friends, acquaintances, people that we're polite to. Probably wouldn't go golfing with them or even necessarily go to coffee with them. But when we see them, we're cordial. And we might call them a friend or just an acquaintance. Has it been, let me ask you, Mark, has has it been difficult for you to make friends since you've been in recovery? Or has it been easier? It was in the beginning. Difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I, I don't know. In the very beginning, I had problems. Mm-hmm. I, I was a guy sitting with my back to the wall and kind of staying away from everybody. But sure, uh, like I said, God kind of showed me that that uh, He didn't really design us to be that way. And so, eventually, uh, you know, I was uh, uh, my wife and I were doing Bible studies for alcoholics. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. We did that about three years. And um, um, when I got into training for the public, training horses for the public, I had to deal with people. Oh, right. Before, I was just buying and selling on my own, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but it was a slow process. Yeah. I I don't know that I answered your question. No, you you did. You did. What about you, Denver? Um, Since you got clean and sober... Was it easier or harder to make friends? I've never really had a problem making acquaintances. Okay. You use the word friends, but... Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of acquaintances. It's not difficult for me sober or when I was drinking. Right. Yeah. So you can be friendly to people and they're they're not really your friend. Yeah, we're not going to go out and have coffee uh, or I'm not going to call you on the phone and talk for an hour. Yeah. But uh, for five minutes at a sale or something like that, you know, I pick up friends. I go to a meeting. I pick up friends. Just general public at uh, the waiting line someplace. Yeah. You know, I'll strike up a conversation or they do with me. I don't know. I just, it comes natural. Have you ever run run into one of those guys who seems a little needy and he wants to be your best buddy and you're not really interested? Yeah. Yeah, I do all the time. (laughs) I do too. (laughs) It's like, no. No, we're not going to be friends. <laughs> You're not coming You're over. You're just going to crush them. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but yeah. you know, that's a cold hard fact. Is right. I, I really do love being alone, and people know that I love. I, I do sales and things like that. You know these craft sales I do, and I love just spending a little time during the course of the day meeting a hundred different people. We go to these recovery shows. I meet a lot of people. Yeah, but yeah. they're in small doses. I love my alone time. It's not isolation. Sure. It's me time. Yeah, but you do enjoy going on these events and meeting oh, I love people it. and people watching. That's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Yeah, yeah. Marv, you ever ever had one of those uh, one of those cling cling ons? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just kind of follow me around like a puppy dog. And yeah, you, you don't want to hurt their feelings, <laughs> but you just want to slap them. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Oh that. my goodness sakes! Um, yeah, so not all the time. Is the friendship both ways? I mean, you know. In yeah. fact, uh, truth be known, most friendships are a little one-sided. One will put a little more effort into the relationship than the other one. And in a healthy exchange like that, it's okay with that person. They're not bothered by it. 
you know, I was always um, one that would initiate letters or phone calls a little bit more than my other friend, you know, growing up. And as you get out of high school, you go your separate ways. Sometimes you move out of, you know, another to another town, that kind of thing. And I had some close friends in high school that I would keep in contact with, but I kind of initiated the continuing contact, you know. And I learned very quickly that if that was going to bother me, then that was kind of my loss. Um, oh, well, you know. Um, but friends, most friendships are like that, just a little bit. Anyway, um, I think a lot of of the uh, idea of friendship has a lot to do with uh, where you come from. Your background? Yeah. I know one of the big uh, blockades for me, uh, I was raised at the children's farm home. Right. And us kids, we had this deal, and what it was was loyalty. Hmm. And somehow or another, I got that mixed up by the time I became a young adult. Right. And I had a lot of misunderstandings about what was going on because I had this concept of loyalty. I thought that was a big deal. Yeah. So if people weren't loyal, you know, kick them in the butt and out the door they go. And uh, and I learned that uh, I was mistaken greatly. Sure. By that. Well, so it's kind of a thwarted view of what loyalty is, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so where we come from, our experience has a lot to do with how we form friendships. I yeah, think. you bet. You bet. So I've made, uh, and it, it's reflected in the literature uh, in uh, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It talks about we've made a host of friends. Um, we talk about in, in some of the 12-step gatherings that we are folks that would not normally mix. And we're <laughs> surprised that we do. Um, you know, imagining being in those same settings with those same people, people in using and drinking environments, that's a destructive thought. <laughs> it was interesting when I was at the uh, AA World Convention in San Antonio, Texas, uh, several years ago, I was up in the um, observatory thing, I guess you could call it, like the Space Needle of San Antonio, and looking down, and there were so many people you literally could not see where a street started and a sidewalk began. It was that packed. In fact, the city of San Antonio said it was the largest convention of people they had ever had in their entire history. And I was thinking, can you imagine all of those people under the influence at the same time? I mean, what a mess, right? And yet we have way more than that under the influence at the same time at any given time throughout the country. It's just spread out. We're not together. We're not together. <laughs> right. Um, well, as it goes with friends who are best friends and brutally honest confidants and mentors and sponsors, and we talked about hopefully if you have a sponsor at some point, you do become friends. Um, it isn't always wise to take your best friend and have them be your sponsor but hopefully your sponsor does become a close friend at some point. Uh, and then we have uh, our, our friends at work. Um, but we lose friends too, right? I mean, you can't be <clears throat> in the rooms of recovery and not watch people go in and out like a revolving door. Sometimes we get close to them and they disappear. And it's heartbreaking. And then we read about them in the paper. Sometimes they they move on. They they move to a different town. 
uh, sometimes they just pass away because it's their time. Like our friend Bruce, yeah. you know, uh, my former sponsor. And it, it is what it is. And sometimes people leave our lives and we have no idea why. It's the weirdest thing. They just walk out of our life. They don't say anything. They don't talk to us anymore. We try to approach them and try to find out what the heck happened, and they don't want to go there. What do you do with that? I mean, what do you do with any of these things? So let's chime in on this. Marv, what's been your experience with losing friends in recovery? Well, the problem with asking me that question is because I have this uh, personality uh, defect that will slam the door and heck with it. That's it. And when, when somebody... Yeah. But even that, God has chosen to crumble that into pieces, and now I've, <laughs> I, f I find that uh, it does bother me. Yeah. I, I don't even know how to explain it. I, I had the ability to just shut you off. That was it. I was probably one of them guys that walked out of somebody's life and had the heck with you, you know. You just got tired of their knuckleheadedness and just said, I'm done with this guy. Well, who knows what kind of fantasies I had going on between <laughs> my ears, you know. But it had to do with uh, very dysfunctional thinking. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Um but, uh, you know, what I was going to say, too, is it's kind of, it's not really directed towards your question, but there's something else that goes on in these meetings mm. that I've been trying to get a hold of, figured out. There's people that come in there, and you don't know them from Adam, and maybe they'll come in for two or three meetings, and all of a sudden you have this affinity for these people. Right. There's there's this something that happens. Uh, for me, what happens, they walk through the door, and I'm just so tickled to see them. And I don't really even know them. You never even maybe met them before? Never met them before uh, in the meeting. Yeah. Um, the, it's the way they they talk about what's going on in their life, maybe, or something. But it's there. But I never hardly become friends with them. It's weird as but, but far from, as having coffee. Right. And, but from a distance, you, you admire them and you enjoy, yeah, enjoy yeah. their company when they're in the room. Yeah. And, so yeah. What, what happened a few years ago, there was a young man. He was probably 40. I was uh, probably in my 50s at the time. He come in and he was just full of life. Mm. This guy was bubbling about. But I mean good quality humor and just something about him, you know. And it, yeah. And uh, he come in and he, he talked about that the doctor told him that he better quit drinking, he's going to die. He did that twice. And he'd laugh and, you know. And, yeah. And, well, the third time he died. Oh, my gosh. And he was gone just that quick. Wow. He'd went out drinking and his liver couldn't take it. And I felt a great loss over that guy, even though I really wasn't a friend like 
we're talking about. Yeah. That there was this affinity there yeah. with this guy. I, I understand. Okay. I do. As a matter of fact, I just got an email. Um, it came in at 2 a.m. this morning. And I, when I woke up this morning at 6, um, I looked on my phone, and I was informed that one of the interns where I work, who hasn't been an intern for very many months, is quitting his internship and moving back home. That's all I know. And he's one of these kind of guys. I took an instant liking to him. When he works a shift with me, I I like it. I enjoy it. He he's he's just got one of those personalities. You just want to be around the guy. I don't know that I'd ever even go out to dinner with him, right? Because our work schedules is you know when we're together it's work. But he's one of those guys, and my heart just kind of sunk. It was like, no, really, yeah. seriously, nah, I don't like that. I don't, I don't want that to happen. You know. Um, and I don't know why. I have no idea why he's he's leaving it. Maybe that it's just time for him to do that. I mean, it's part of his journey. I, I have no idea. There's no judgment here on that. It's just, but but I get exactly what you're saying because I haven't even known him that long, you know. Yeah. But I just, I'm fond of him and I don't want to not see him because yeah. I look forward to seeing him. By the way, that's uh, that has happened with women too for me. Not that I'm, you know. Romantically. I'm not romantically, you know, involved or yeah. on a date or anything, but there's some women that come in there that just have this something about them. Sure. And uh, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I never used to think along those lines at all. Uh, about members of the opposite sex being a friend? No, I mean about uh, I was so closed off. Oh, okay. That I wasn't ever open to, you know, I either, it was either black and white personality. I either liked you or I didn't. That yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Much to my own chagrin. Sure. sure. What does that mean anyway, chagrin? Um, Do we know? Well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Marv. What does that mean? Well, <laughs> disappointment, maybe. Oh, okay. Kind of a. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> losing friends. You were testing me, weren't you? Yeah, I was testing you. <laughs> he led you right you know, into that. You know, right outside the right outside of the studio here today, I, I I took the the blower and I was blowing leaves and stuff out of you the didn't way. Make no friends then. Did no. You? Well, there's some snakes that live right underneath some garter snakes that live right underneath the, the front door here, and they like when it's warm out, they like to come out in sun, right? And I saw one of them. He was going back in because it was wet and cold. And I immediately went to, I think it's you that said, do snakes have laps? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I reflected on that. Do they have what? Laps. You know, like a lap. You know, like you're, when you sit down, you have a laptop, put it on your lap. Do snakes have laps? <laughs> That's a good question. One of them I probably hadn't thought of. <laughs> good question. I don't know where he comes up with these things. Um but lo losing friends in the like, uh, you know, I I had a friend who, um, we were friends for a very long time, uh, in my twelve step home group, and his fiance, for whatever reason, still unbeknownst to me, did not like me. Sometimes people just don't like you. That's just the way it is. 
Right. They just don't. <laughs> They're not going to tell you why. They just don't like you. Sometimes we don't like people. We don't even know why. We just don't like them. You know what I mean? And uh, for it, whatever it's reason. The, it's that aura thing that you spoke of. That, well, that works in the other way, right? It, it's the opposite of what he's speaking of because I felt both in my lifetime. Yeah. You know, there's just a certain vibe, magic, or something about somebody that strikes your fancy or it doesn't. Or it doesn't. Yeah, and it's not necessarily anything personal. You don't even know why. Just, I just don't like that guy or gal. Yeah. Uh, well, she just didn't like me. She may have had reasons. She wasn't going to share it with me, but you just got to go, okay, well, they got married. And I asked the guy, I, I said, so uh, I asked him something about about coming to his wedding, and he let me know that yeah. by no uncertain terms, well, well, he kind of said it in a roundabout. We're having a very small personal wedding. Okay, I, I get what you're saying. Then I found out that there was all these people there. There were tons of people from that particular fellowship that attended. And I... Just not you. No, just not me. And and for a while, I got to tell you, I was butthurt. Yeah. I was butthurt about it. And the guy, other than being cordial, I think maybe one time on social media, he said hello or something. Other than that, he has never spoken to me again. And I, I, you know what, with something like that, you lose a friend like that, you just got to, if you're going to survive it, you just got to say, oh, well, and keep going forward. I mean, it's going to happen. If, you, if you're going to live any years at all in this world, you're going to have people in your life that walk out of your life. And you may never know why. And I got to tell you, if it's going to send you out back to drinking and using, that's not on them. You know, that shows your quality uh, of recovery. But it happens. Um, I had a friend, an old drinking buddy. We were friends. I He was my best friend in my mind. And uh, we knew each other for years and years and years and years. He got sober before I did. He got married before I did. I got sober, then I got married. And I had these grandiose ideas that... We would both have kids and the kids would grow up and we'd be backpacking together and we didn't work out like that. He wrote me a Dear Monty letter one day and said, I can't have nothing to do with you anymore. You know, because our relationship before that was toxic and he couldn't recover from it. And so I learned that if I really cared about my friend, that I would respect his decision and let it be. And... Uh, other than to inform him of another friend of ours that had passed away a few years ago, I haven't been in contact with him. And it's okay. It's okay. It has to be okay. It doesn't feel okay. I miss him. But it's okay. Um, uh, I've been involved in groups of people that weren't recovery-focused, but uh, maybe a Bible study kind of thing. Um, and just recently, a whole bunch of them have decided that they're pretty much disassociating themselves with my wife and I. Not sure why. It just is what it is. There are seasons for everything. And if you let it take you out, uh, you're going to be in trouble. Because I think a lot of these times when we lose folks, whether it's in death, whether it's in 
resentment, whatever it's in, are just moving on. Uh, we have a golden opportunity to apply the principles of our recovery to our lives to be able to rise above it and move forward. And it's never easy. Uh, it's difficult. Um, the host of friends that I've made has been, I, I got to tell you, I'm so blessed. I, I, I don't have enough fingers and toes. The people that are in my life that I consider uh, confidants and people that I trust and, and, and people that um, I would have no problem giving my house key to, you know, uh, there's just more than my share. I've been very, very blessed from, from co-hosts to friends within the adult teen challenge ministry um, to friends that I went to concerts with growing up, things like that. I mean, there, there's just a lot, but let's talk about losing friends a little bit, Denver. So what about you, man? Have you lost some people? <clears throat> yeah. 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 I mean, that, that's a big scale. Have I lost people in my life? Yes, I have. From the point of, I had to, uh, cut ties with some associates, friends, right. if you will, longtime friends through, uh, my drug addiction years. I've had to cut that. I've lost friends due to my abuse of friendship. I've lost friends due to death. I've lost friends due to changing of seasons. I love, I love the term changing of seasons because I go through a lot of seasons and I know everybody else does. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes you just, it, you'll lose them and then you maybe hook back up with them and it's not the same, you know, it, it it's not right. quite the same. We're still friends. And but but something's different. Yeah, we don't share the same uh, cosmic vibe that we used to have <laughs> I like together. That, the cosmic vibe, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I've I've had a lot of people come and go in my life, and uh, some by choice, some by not, some by mine, and some by theirs. It's, Do, it's it, life. Does it get? I don't know if it, the word easier, and I'll ask either one of you. I don't know if that's the right word, but I'll use it anyway. Does it get easier? to move on from a loss than it used to? Does it impact you less or? I believe for me, yeah, it's, it's, I don't want to say I'm a door slammer, but I've been a door slammer. You know what? When I've had enough, I've had enough. Sure. And I'm done. Sure. And, uh, I probably still have that capability in me. Right. I don't, I don't use it much because I don't probably, uh, get myself into that, situation with people like that mm-hmm. you know i i'll steer clear of that if i can i i maybe sense that this is not going to be good for me or them so let's just keep it as uh see ya you know yeah uh, i hope you're the best but uh, i don't think we ought to hang around marv does it does it get easier to walk through a loss than it did before or is it the same well i'm gonna throw a little hitch pin in here. Yeah. It got easier for me uh, when I became quicker to forgive. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. And, right. And not that I'm able to all the time, but it it uh, the lingering on of these resentments right. and hurts and all that, when I was able to forgive, <clears throat> that got less. Interesting because because I'm gonna I'm gonna be real honest with you. At some point, with some of these folks, it became easier for me because I had become a door slammer. 
not yeah. because yeah. I was learning how to forget. <coughs> Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm learning how to say heck with you. Yeah. Whereas before, I, I wouldn't do that. I'd let it linger, you know, hoping beyond hope that it would all be mended and everything would be great. And then I got to a point where I started getting callous. And I thought, well, heck with you. And it wasn't affecting me. It was like, I'm fine with that. You know, yeah. I, I think that's that's changed somewhat. But I, I think that's boundaries. Yeah, and it, it, it has a lot you know, to do with boundaries. It has a lot to do with boundaries. Sure, sure. Um, you know, the other thing I'd like to say real quick, too, is just because um, I don't know how anybody else feels, but just because somebody might have uh, uh, become, for lack of words, an enemy. Yeah. Doesn't mean what AA has taught me through the years. It doesn't mean if those people are in a bind, bad, mm-hmm. I help them. You whether, bet. Whether I like them Compassion. or not. You bet. And that's one thing that's a big change for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. To like the unlikable. <laughs> yeah. It does. In fact, I, I will tell you, I was I was in, uh, <laughs> of all places, I was uh, at church yesterday, and I saw this guy. He, he wasn't necessarily, well, he never was a friend. Um, he was somebody I knew through another organization <clears throat> who had really done a lot of people wrong. And I hadn't seen him in a long time. And I saw him at church. And my immediate thought, I'll just be real honest, my immediate thought was, what the heck are you doing here? You jerk. You know, and I and I recognized I was thinking that way almost immediately. And I thought, man, what a horrible attitude, right? And then I looked, I looked at him again. He was down towards the right of me. He didn't see me. And I couldn't get this thing out of my head because the last time I saw him, he was making some very destructive choices that affected a lot of people, and I couldn't get that out of my head. And then the service closed, and which is customary at our church, is they have a time when people go down in front for prayer. And so, and this guy got up, and he went down, and I saw him put his arm around this other guy and start praying for him. That was it. I was like, oh, Monty, Monty, Monty. Right, and then somebody started praying for him. I don't know what he's going through. I haven't seen him in a year. Right. What the heck was I thinking? And I had to literally repent and say, "God, I'm sorry," you know, for feeling like that. But that's kind of part of the human condition, right? You bet. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm so grateful that my recovery has taught me to be able to to recognize that stuff and kind of, you know, run it off at the pass, so to speak. Um, before it's too late. <laughs> yeah. uh, wow. So, any closing thoughts? Denver, camera's on you. <laughs> Hi, Denver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I ain't really got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I just wanted to say that on camera. Uh, I got nothing. Yeah, friend, friends come and go. So, uh, I'm thankful, so thankful for uh, the friends that I have now in my life. Sure, you know, and I'm thankful for the ones I had back then. Uh, it's all been part of the uh, the walk to recovery, the the walk to get to know Jesus, the the walk of the struggles and everything else that goes on in life. Right. All these people have had some kind of influence on me. So, 
Yeah. In fact, there are some people that I didn't care for that actually blessed me and they didn't even know it. Yeah. Because of something they said, something they did. Maybe turned me the different way. Yeah. Because I didn't want to, I didn't want to be there with them. Yeah. You bet. So. You bet. You bet. Marv, closing thoughts? Yeah, Marv. Okay. We're supposed to love everybody. Some by coming and some by going. Yeah. <laughs> some coming in the door, some going out. Right, right. I love it. I love it. All right. So um, this poem's been around for, for quite some time, uh, and it's very appropriate. Um, when my friend of 25 years, who I thought was my best friend, when that relationship ended, uh, it, it, it really crushed me for, for a while. And then I read this poem, and it was like it just – it mended the whole thing in my heart. Uh, and maybe some of you have lost a friend. Maybe it's through death. Maybe they just stopped talking to you. Maybe you don't even know why. You know, uh, I want you to consider what this says, and we're going to close with this uh, before we go into our closing song um, this week. It's called Reason, Season, or Lifetime. People come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. When you figure out which one it is, you will know what to do for each person. When someone is in your life for a reason, it is usually to meet a need you have expressed. They have come to assist you through a difficulty, to provide you with guidance and support, to aid you physically, emotionally, or spiritually. They may seem like a godsend, and they are. They are there for the reason you need them to be. Then, without any wrongdoing on your part or at an inconvenient time, this person will say or do something to bring the relationship to an end. Sometimes they die. Sometimes they walk away. Sometimes they act up and force you to take a stand. What we must realize is that our need has been met, our desire fulfilled, their work is done. The prayer you sent up has been answered, and now it's time to move on. Some people come into your life for a season because your turn has come to share, grow, or learn. They bring you an experience of peace or make you laugh. They may teach you something you have never done. They usually give you an unbelievable amount of joy. Believe it. It's real. But it's only for a season. Well, lifetime relationships teach you lifetime lessons, things you must build upon in order to have a solid emotional foundation. Your job is to accept the lesson, love the person, and put what you have learned to use in all other relationships and areas of your life. It is said that love is blind, but friendship is clairvoyant. The author of that is unknown. But when I heard that, it all made sense. So whether you have made some great friends and everything's real stable or whether you've lost some, I guarantee you, you probably will make more friends. You may even lose some more friends, but you're going to be okay if you follow the principles in those 12 steps. If you keep putting one foot in front of the other and doing the next right thing and surround yourself with people uh, that maybe you don't even necessarily like, 
but you know they're good for you because of some of the things that God is speaking in and through them. You're going to be okay. Our closing song is by an old professor of mine, Mr. Jim Crane, and it's entitled, I'll Be Your Friend. Here's Jim. Being your friend is the way I say I love you. Smiling at you is the way I like to show you. When you're weak, I'll be strong for you. When you're sad, I'll be crying too. When you're low, I'll be down with you. I'll be a friend. Touching your hand is such a tender way to say it. Catching your eye is such a silent way to shout it. When you're alone, I'll be your company If you're confused, I'll help you see When you're away, think of me I'll be your friend Friends are hard to find these days You can get hurt in so many ways Come on now and let me reassure you it's hard to believe, yes I know when someone says I love you so, but oh, I really, really do. Mr. Jim Crane. For more of Jim's great music, visit him on CD Baby. You can get his music there. Go to cdbaby.com and type in Jim Crane. C-R-A-I-N. All right. What are you? Are you a friend? A foe? Or one of those other folks? Something to think about. 
Until next time, this is the Monty Man along with the Take 12 Recovery Radio family, and we are wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. She's a super cat, super cat, she's super kitty, meow. Yeah, kitty, 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 meow. <laughs>